On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, what would be your reaction if you found out you only had one year left? This is when your life's alarm clock is now set. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Edy. With me today is Peter Chrisman. Peter has a lot of interesting things to say. He's been a successful businessman. Now he's in another phase of his life. First off, Peter, I want to thank you for taking the time for being on the Executor Help podcast and sharing some insight and and some thoughts. So thank you very much for being here. Uh, David, it's my pleasure to be here. Talk a little bit about you. Tell me about about you, your business life. What did you do that because you've been you're a successful businessman. Tell me a little bit about you. Okay, I, I, I'm going to go back just uh, after the log cabin that I was born in. <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, no, I'm from uh, Detroit and started out my career with uh, a business career of, with Ford Motor Company, working for a gentleman by the name of Lee Iacocca, and uh, who was an icon in the business uh, in industry, uh, especially the automotive industry. And, and what a great start. What a fantastic way to start your business career, uh, working for a gentleman like that. And then uh, I, I, my uh, other great experience in corporate life was I uh, was recruited out of Ford by Xerox Corporation. And I never dreamt of leaving Ford Motor Company, but Xerox at that time had just introduced uh, the 914 copier. And uh, they were knocking the socks off of uh, everything. In fact, uh, I always said they're a first-class company, and they were. <laughs> they flew. They flew everybody first class. If you were uh, a tech rep in Denver fixing machines, and you went back to Leesburg, Virginia, for training, you flew first class. <laughs> and uh, we don't do that today, do we? No, no. And uh, so, uh, you know, while I was with Xerox, they were first-class company and uh, implementing the kind of things first-class companies do. And then uh, got the urge, like most of us, to get into my own business. I had attempted to uh, find and, and buy a, a car dealership, but uh, no one wanted to sell. And uh, so I decided to get into my own and uh, I got into the, uh, uh, as an investment banker, the merger and acquisition business. And uh, I, in 85, I had an opportunity to uh, start the Chicago office for at that time, the world's largest valuator of companies, privately held companies and seller of uh, privately held companies on a, the largest on an international basis. So they gave me a, a, a good experience in uh, uh, being an investment banker for privately held uh, companies. Uh, then I went back on my own uh, and uh, David, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm glad that uh, I, I always have throughout my whole life kept my mind open and and always on the outlook for new ideas, new things, and so forth. Because I, I did wake up one morning 
and had an epiphany that even though we were selling our clients' companies for the greatest value because of the auction process that I had created, and uh, we were getting top dollar for our clients, I knew that I wasn't fulfilling all of their goals and dreams and ideas. Uh, one reason is because they didn't know them either. <laughs> I didn't know them. But what, what happens is I, I knew they weren't, even though the auction process brought in the top value, I knew that they weren't uh, taking any steps themselves to maximize the value of the business. That was the first thing that was wrong. The second thing that was wrong, all the planning from a tax and a state and a financial point of view was all done after the liquidity event instead of before the liquidity event when you could maximize uh, the benefits of that liquidity event. And the third, the third thing that uh, they didn't work on at all is what in the hell they were going to do after the liquidity event and how were they going to change their life after 20, 30, 40 years of doing the same thing? Is, is that a problem? Is that, is that seems to be the problem with a lot of business owners? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of reasons uh, for And that's why, that's why somebody uh, who is uh, good at this whole process has got to recognize because, that, you know, they, they very rarely have talked from a personal point of view with their spouse during this whole process of running a business because the spouse was usually involved with uh, uh, the kids and developing the kids and so forth. And the business owner was involved with the business, right? So they didn't really talk much about what happens after. And uh, so there was poor planning poor planning all around. And uh, I have seen so many instances of business owners that couldn't pull the trigger on a liquidity event because they didn't know what they were going to do after that liquidity event. And, uh, you know, it's such a shame because uh, these guys are human and uh, there's no guarantee uh, when you, me, or Anybody else could be around tomorrow, the next month, and so forth. And they had a lot of responsibilities that uh, their counselors and advisors uh, didn't make them realize and uh, didn't work with them on those responsibilities. So you've, you went from the corporate world to dealing with in the banking world to working with um business owners in terms of right. getting them, preparing them to exit. And, but you saw that the entrepreneur in you, you saw that there were, there was an opportunity there to help others that were basically um, kind of lost or never really thought of what's next after the business is gone. So I know you, you, you wrote books, you created courses and you created a, a, a successful business that you ended up selling at some point, correct? That's right. We, we created the uh, uh, 
the Exit Planning Institute, uh, which uh, uh, trained and certified uh, business advisors in the uh, practice of exit planning. So we created a new industry right. and uh, wound up selling that, uh, that company in uh, 2012 to uh, a, a group out of uh, Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I am so proud of that company because of what was accomplished by myself, but also what this new group is accomplishing. And uh, they're, they're forecasting that hopefully by 2025, so forth, they will have certified 10,000 advisors. Wow. So uh, it's quite ambitious and uh, uh, goes back to the day when I certified the first one, you know. Well, back in, uh, it seems that they took, they took your dream and your vision and, and, and ran with it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So... You, for the long time, when you had that vision of people exiting, it comes to you one day that you find out that uh, you've only got one year left in terms of an exit. I think you call it life's alarm clock. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, uh, I found out from my heart doctors that if uh, if I didn't have uh, uh, open heart surgery and replace one of my valves. I only had a year or two to live. And I said, I said, uh, uh, I don't care about that. I, I had open heart back in 1992 and I don't want to go through that experience again. And I don't want to run the risk of uh, throat or all the risks that come with open heart. So I, I just, just decided if it happens, it happens. And I also realized that uh, those docs just set my uh, uh, alarm clock uh, for my life. And uh, so, David, when I go, I want to go feeling good. I don't want to go feeling bad, okay? And I've come to, because of that experience, I've come to realize that each day is... Uh, a gift each day is a gift to me that I wake up and I'm feeling good and I my attitude toward people my attitude not that my attitude was bad but it's much better toward uh, people and toward uh, adversity and I don't get the things don't excite me in a negative way as they did uh, 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 prior to that news. So I, I guess I've taken a different attitude about life and this whole thing. So when it comes to life, after getting that, that information and then you making the decision, what, what's important to you now? What do you find important in life? What's important, one of the things, now not, not too many not too many of my things have changed as far as importance. But I guess I had a pretty good base uh, uh, prior to that news. What's important to me now is uh, never, never, and I was this way before, but never, never uh, am I going to BS anybody. 
but I always shoot straight and I always have. And if they don't like it, well, tough, because that's my honest opinion. And so to be uh, straightforward, to be level with people is, is, uh, is uh, uh, one thing. Uh, I have always wanted to see people become successful. And I will do everything uh, I can to help people become more successful. What this has made me do is just to live life for myself, to, to be happy by helping others become successful. And, uh, you know, life, life is fun and life should be treated that way. And it's not an uptight uh, thing to experience, you know. Well, you talk about people are reluctant to have these conversations and they procrastinate. Why do you think that they do that? You know, I think a a big part of it is how they were brought up. How open were they with their family and with their friends? Uh, And I tell you what, people don't sit down and have conversations, serious conversations, like you and I are having right now. Mm -hmm. You know, just people just don't do it. And uh, well, just look at the way people interact with each other anyhow. People don't interact with each other on the phone that much. They interact with email uh, (laughs) or a a text. Uh, How how sincere or emotional can that be, you know? And how do you look at somebody in the eye? When you say say conversations, what should they be talking about? Talking about the same things that uh, you and I are talking about right now. What are your thoughts about uh, life? What are your thoughts about your career? What are your thoughts about, uh, you know, your your family, your kid Danny is a brat. (laughs) Why, Why don't you recognize that? And he's making, you know, people don't have these sensitive personal conversations. And I tell you, one of the things that made me uh, very successful as an investment banker is I had those conversations with my clients and I'd ask them questions nobody would ask. So I think that's a skill. And I think uh, being personal and the other thing is somebody knowing they can have a conversation with you and knowing that it won't go any further okay. is very important. Very important. So, so whether it be the individual who doesn't have a business or someone who does have a business, they need to have conversations. They need to have conversations about their estate would look like, or as a business owner, not only your estate, but what my succession plan should look like. A lot of times these conversations aren't taking place. Is that what you're, you're saying? They're not being held accountable for actions along these lines. So then what would you say are the solutions for anyone who wants to start to prepare to get to, like you say, life's alarm clock was for you has been set by the doctors. What, for other people, we've had this conversation before. You say people don't know when their alarm clock is set. How should you prepare to for whatever that day could be? 
What should you be doing to prepare yourself and also prepare your family? The most obvious thing to prepare is to make sure you you go in and get periodic uh, feedback reports from your medical advisors, okay? Mm -hmm. The second thing is you've got to seek out uh, a lot of different people, I call them advisors, that will help the business owner accomplish three things and what I write about in my second book, The Master Plan, but to seek out advisors who will help them do everything they can while they're alive to maximize the value of their business. Seek out advisors who will help them uh, in the liquidity event to minimize taxes, can through the liquidity event. And that third leg of the stool is to uh, seek out uh, people, including uh, your spouses and so forth, on discussions on what life is going to be like after the liquidity event. Talk to people who have uh, sold their companies and had that liquidity event. And what are the pluses and what are, what are the mi minuses of those steps? But you've got to be proactive in that process because you ain't getting any younger. You build up an asset very proud of, I would assume. And so you just don't want to screw it up and uh, diminish the value of that asset or the empl em employees who have uh, uh, devoted their life and uh, actions uh, to your success and their success. Because yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a domino effect. If you don't make the decisions or you make the wrong decisions, all the way along, there's a lot of people that are going to be affected by your action or inaction that you don't take with the uh, business. That's exactly it. And, and, and uh, David, the problem is most of them, tomorrow is here and tomorrow is now for everyone because uh, we're human. And, you know, a year ago, I didn't know I had a timetable, but now I know. And I'm fortunate because everybody's got a timetable. It's just the fact that we don't know when it is. I know there's a special poem and it's called What Will, what will Matter. What, is that, yeah. what does that poem mean to you? <laughs> the, the, the close of that poem is to choose a life that matters. And it really gives someone an outline as to how they should live their life because at the end of their life, their final re report card comes in. The whole essence of this poem to somebody is to choose a life that matters. And David, I had uh, the experience, uh, the honor to have a fantastic uh, mother and dad, and particularly my dad, that they did live, choose to live a life that, that mattered. And set such a great example for me, uh, my my sons and my family. I, I encourage everybody to seek out uh, that poem. You know what? I know this this poem has a lot of meaning to you. So why don't you read "What Will Matter"? 
the poem, as you just said, the, the title is What Will Matter by uh, Michael Josephson. And this was given to me by a very good friend, uh, uh, Mickey Williams, who is a leader, international leader in Visage, uh, in Visage Group. So here's, here's the poem. Ready or not, someday it will come off. It will all come to an end. There'll be no more sunrises, no minutes, hours, or days. All the things you collected, whether treasured or forgotten, will pass to someone else. Your wealth, your fame, and temporal power will shrivel to irrelevance. It will not matter what you owned or what you were owed. Your grudges, resentments, frustrations, and jealousies will finally disappear and expire. So, too, were your hopes, ambitions, plans, and to-do lists. The wins and losses that once seemed so important will slowly fade away. It won't matter where you came from or what side of the tracks you lived on at the end. It won't matter whether you were beautiful or brilliant. Even your gender and skin color will be irrelevant. So what will matter? How will the value of your days be measured? What will matter is not what you bought, but what you built. Not what you got, but what you gave. What will matter is not your success, but your significance. What will matter is not what you learned, but what you taught. What will matter is every act of integrity, compassion, and courage or sacrifice that enriched, empowered, or encouraged others to emulate your example. What will matter is not your competence, but your character. What will matter is not how many people you knew, but how many people will feel a lasting loss when you're gone. What will matter is not your memories, but the memories that live in those who loved you. What will matter is how long you will be remembered, by whom, and for what. Living a life that matters doesn't happen by accident. It's not a matter of circumstance, but a matter of choice choose to live a life that matters. Now, David, doesn't that say it all? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, there's nothing more to say. You've said it all. I want to thank you, Peter Grisman, for being on the Executor Health podcast, sharing your insight, sharing your life, and talking about what does really matter. And I want to thank you and I wish you all the best for the future. And if people want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they do that? Do you have a website? Where can I get in touch yes, with you? Yes, I, 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 sure, I sure do. It's, uh, it's the uh, chrismangroup.com. And uh, Chrisman is, uh, I've always been fortunate. I have an easy name. It's just like Christmas, only N on the end, seven S. That's it. And so... so that link to your website and, and to get in touch with you is going to be on the show notes of the 
of the uh, podcast. Once again, Peter right. Christman, I wish you all the best and thank you for being on the Executor Health Podcast. It's been my honor. Thank you. You've been listening to the Executor Health Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. 